Good evening, everyone. Bruch Nabam. Welcome back. Hope everyone enjoyed the summer. Baruch Hashem. Why was it open? Okay? Got a little break. Baruch Hashem, we're back again. Thanks to the good grace of the Rebbe Shalom. Another year of learning. Wish everybody Hatzlacha Rabbah. Great success in the upcoming year. Okay, so today was Rosh Chodesh Elul. The beginning of the month of Elul. And Elul, of course, is a month of preparation for Rosh Hashanah. Preparation for the great Yom HaDin, the Day of Judgment. Where we try to prepare ourselves and get ourselves ready for God's scrutiny, God's judgment. And of course, we know the judgment is not just Hashem looks at us, are we a good guy or not, in general. But it's a very exacting judgment. Hashem looks at the mitzvot, looks at the averos, they're calculated, they're weighed. And we try to improve ourselves during the month of Elul. We try to do what we call tshuva. Tshuva is a process of repentance, return, try to correct any averos we may have done. And of course, as always, whenever we embark on a project of, of coming closer to the Ibn Shalalam, we want to look, what does the Torah have to say to us? What is the guidance the Torah gives us in embarking on this journey? And let's take a look at this week's parsha, perhaps... There's a message in the parsha of what possibly we could do to uh, improve ourselves and repent. So let's take a look at page 1026. You have Chumashim 1026. It is uh, Perak Yudzayin, Pasuk Vav. And in general, we're talking about if you want to convict somebody of a capital crime to administer the death penalty to somebody, you obviously need testimony. According to Jewish law, circumstantial evidence is not, cannot be submitted to the court. We need testimony. We need edim. How many witnesses do we need? Two. One witness. If one witness, even the Gadol Hadar, the biggest tzaddik in the world, he comes in and says, I saw this person. He uh, committed this crime that he deserves a Jewish death penalty. Can't do anything. We need two witnesses or three witnesses. But one witness, we can't kill the person. The testimony of one witness is not, is not submitted. So the very interesting Pasuk, page 1026, Perak Yedzayin, Pasuk Vav. Al based on the testimony of two witnesses, O Shlosha Edim, or three witnesses, Yumas Hames, the dead person will die. In other words, if you want to kill someone with capital punishment, you need the testimony of two or three witnesses. Lo Yumas Al he cannot die, he will not die based on the testimony of one witness. Okay? You can't kill someone based on the testimony of two witnesses or three witnesses, only on the testimony of one witness. Now listen to the way, listen to the remez of this pasuk. Remez means an allusion, a hint. There's a fascinating medrash, actually it's a Yerushalmi. The Gemara says in the Yerushalmi, that of course we know if a per- we sin, a person does an Avera, someone speaks Lashon Hara, Assuming you didn't damage anyone, you didn't hurt anyone. How do you correct an Avera? Say a person did something wrong. How do you correct? You do tshuva. The Yushalmi tells us, the Medrash tells us, they asked Chachma, referring to Shlomo HaMelech, what should the sinner do if he sins? So you know what Shlomo said? He said, Chatoim Terdafra, the sinners will be pursued with evil. Which means, tough luck, you're, you're in trouble, you sinned? got to face the consequences. There's no way out. That's what wisdom said. They asked wisdom. What, are, what happens to the sinner? What's, what could a sinner do? So wisdom said, what do you mean what could he do? He sinned, he got to face, 
got to face the consequences. They asked prophecy, they asked the Nevi'im, what should the sinner do? So you know what the prophet said? What should he do? He's going to die. That's what he's going to do. He has to be punished. There's no way out. He sinned. Somebody, let's say somebody did an Avera. He did it. What do you want him to say? I'm sorry? I'm very nice. I'm happy you're sorry. But how do you expect... You know, imagine uh, somebody goes to a red light. He tells the cop, I'm sorry. I won't do it again. Yeah, you bet you're not going to do it again after I give you the ticket. You're not going to do it again. <laughs> right? Somebody uh, commits a big crime. He tells the judge, you know, I really feel bad about what I did. You know, I don't want to go to jail. I'm happy you feel better. And I'm sure you're not going to do it in, again after you sit in jail for 20 years. So they asked, they asked prophecy, what is the fate of the sinner? So prophecy said, what do you mean what's his fate? He's going to die. They asked the Torah, what is the fate of a sinner? What's he supposed to do? So the Torah said, ah, oh, we'll be lenient with him. He wants to get atonement. Let him bring a sacrifice, a karban asham, a guilt sacrifice. That will uh, remove the sin. So they asked wisdom, they asked prophecy, they asked the Torah, and they all said either he's going to die or he has to do something. They asked God, Hashem, what is the fate of the sinner? What should the sinner do? Hashem said, he doesn't have to die. He doesn't even have to bring a guilt offering. He could do tshuva. He could repent. Okay? So wisdom said, no way out. Prophecy said, no way out. Even the Torah itself by the way, you look in the Torah, you'll be very hard-pressed to find anything about tshuva in the Torah, in the Chumash. Chamish Chumshei Torah. By the way, look in the Chumash. Do you find anyone who did tshuva? No. No, you don't really find... Who? There's nobody who did tshuva? No. You tell me. Do you even find the concept of tshuva? You'll be very hard-pressed to find anything about tshuva in the Torah. Even Bnei Korach not mentioned. Yeah. Adam Harishon, we know, did tshuva, not a word in the Torah. Noach, he's supposed to tell the people to do tshuva, not mentioned in the Torah. The concept of tshuva, it's very, you'll, you could find it between the lines, but not clearly. Only God Himself has given us the escape hatch of tshuva. Only Hashem Himself has given us the escape hatch of tshuva. So the Torah has not given us, doesn't say too much. Right? Do you find that when the, when the Jewish people sin with the golden calf, Moshe prays for them. Does Moshe say, Hashem, Hashem, help them do tshuva? Does Moshe say after the sin of the spies, help them do tshuva? Yeah, but tshuva to... almost does not... Adam Arishon sins. So what happened? He gets chased out of Gan Eden. Let him do tshuva. You don't find too much about tshuva in the Chumash. The prophets, the Nevi'im, they warn us again and again and yeah, again and again about tshuva. You said that in order to, that you're going to forgive you. He's compassionate. The punishment won't be severe. It won't be immediate. It won't be, like, destructive. But you don't find explicitly, certainly there is a concept of tshuva, but it's, it's not mentioned in the Torah too much. Okay? Yeah, but Rabbi, what yeah. about you now when he goes to Yamne? Yonah is not in the Chumash. In the Nevi'im. Sure, in the Nevi'im, full of tshuva. Nevi'im, full of tshuva. Hoshea says, Shuva Yisrael, Shuvu Banim Shovavim. Uh, shuva, right? It's full of tshuva. Chumash? In the chum, chamishay chumshay Torah. Even the Rambam does not say tshuva is a mitzvah. The Rambam says if you want to do tshuva, you know how to do it? Say vidoy. But the Rambam doesn't say we're obligated to do tshuva. That's up to us. Okay, let's... I don't want to get involved. I didn't get it. What is 
the, the Rambam's opinion, Rambam does not learn that tshuva is a command, that you have to do tshuva. It's that if you decide to do tshuva, the way to do it is by saying vidur, by confessing. Separate topic. So one second. So let's bring that back to this Pasuk. What does the Pasuk say? Based on the testimony of two witnesses or three witnesses, you mas hames, somebody will die. He will not die based on the testimony of Eid Echad. You know what that means? No. Listen to what it means. If you ask two reliable sources, which are wisdom and prophecy, what the sinner's fate is, he's going to die. Even if you bring in the third credible source, the Torah, and you ask, what's the fate of the sinner? He's going to die. Well, you must have But if you ask the eight echad, the one, who's one God, God says the sinner doesn't have to die. The sinner has option. The sinner has the escape hatch of tshuva. So what the Pasuk is telling us, the Mayana Shel Torah, according to two opinions, prophecy, wisdom, or even a third opinion, Torah, the sinner has to die. Based on the one special credible source, God Himself, the sinner does not have to die. So let's see if we could gain some insight into the parsha of what we could do to do tshuva, certain, certain uh, attitudes and perspectives we could have going into the, the holy days that are ahead of us. Let's turn to Parag page 1038. Something very interesting. When the Jewish people go out to war, so before they go out to war, they're given a pep talk. Okay? Okay, and who gives them the pep talk? The Kohen. Kohen gives them the pep talk. Because the Kohen, he's the, he's the leader. He's the one who teaches Torah. It says, Kisifsei Kohen Yishmar Das, the Torah Yivakshu Mipiu. So Torah, the Kohen is the, giving us a, a pep talk. You ready for the pep talk? Parikhaf. Kisifsei la mocham ala if you go out to war against your enemy, and you're going out to fight against the enemy, and you see horses, you see chariots, people much greater than you, stronger than you, you're going to get afraid. You're going to become scared. Like Tira Mehem says the Torah, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God's with you. He took you out of Egypt. He'll help you out. So you hear what's happening? You're about to attack uh, the Edomites, the Moabites, the Canaanim, uh, and you see they have many horses, many soldiers, you're about to get scared. Don't be afraid, says the Pasuk. You're about to approach the battle. The Kohen approaches, and he speaks to the people. He's giving a, a rallying call, pep talk. Okay? He says, Listen up. You're about to face war. Don't be soft-hearted. Don't be afraid. Don't tremble. Do not, do not quake. Do not uh, be afraid. Don't worry. Why? Because God who walks with you, to fight against you, with your enemies, to uh, save you. In other words, don't be afraid. God's going to save you. God's going to help you. Every war. In fact, according to Rabbeinu Yonah, this is a lav in the Torah we learned by Shalashudas three weeks ago, that any time you're in a dangerous situation, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God could help you out. God, don't lose yourself. Don't, uh, sometimes a person gets overwhelmed with fear. Don't get overwhelmed. God could bail you out. Okay? And then the coin continues, and he says, 
you know, even though we're drafting everyone into the army, there are going to be three exemptions. Exemption number one, someone who just built a new house and he didn't get a chance to live in it yet, go home, go home. Because you know what? Maybe you'll die in the war and uh, some other guy is going to enjoy the house that you built for yourself. So you go home. Except for the house in Israel is so expensive that you cannot buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who has an orchard. For that house. Um, you have cherries. Right? You have apples, pears, plums, and you have an orchard. And you never got a chance to redeem the fruit of the fourth year, to enjoy a new shalayim. So what do we do? Go home, you're exempt. By the way, you need to bring, uh, you, you can't just um, make up an excuse, yeah, yeah, I don't want to fight, I just built a new house. You got to bring testimony that you built a new house. Yeah, or you, or you have to bring a testimony that you have a vineyard. Or someone, let's say someone who just got married, but he didn't, he didn't finish the deal yet. You know, he, he's engaged, but he didn't finish, he didn't get married. Go home to be with your wife for the first year. Don't fight in the war. Maybe you'll die and someone else will marry her. And then if we look in Pasuk Ches, the Shotrim, the rulers, continue to talk to the people and they say, let's take a look at the Pasuk. The Yasva HaShotrim Ladaber HaLa'am, page 1040, verse 8. The Shotrim continue to speak to the people of Amru and they say, Miha Ish HaYare Varach HaLevav. Who is afraid? Who is soft-hearted? Yelech V'yashiv Levesai. Let him go return to his house. V'lo Yimas HaSlavav Echav Kovavai. Let him not melt everybody else's heart. Which means like this. Anyone who's a... The simple explanation is, anyone who's a coward, you know, you have a big macho guy, he comes with his big uh, rifle, his big uh, ammunition, and the second he sees the enemy, you know, he's biting his nails off, he can't stand the sight of, uh, of somebody else's weapon, we say, we don't, we don't need you here, because if, if you're going to come here like a coward, you're gonna, everyone else is going to become discouraged, so you go home, you hide under your pillow, we don't want you on the battlefront, okay? That's the simple meaning, that's the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. When, it, when, it, when we say anyone who's soft-hearted, anyone who's afraid, go home, literally it means anyone who's a scaredy-cat, go home. Rabbi Yossi Haglili, another Tana, it's Machlokis, learns when it says anyone who's afraid, it means anyone who knows he's committed Averos, and he's afraid that because of those Averos, he's not going to survive the war, go home. Says the Gemara, what kind of Avera are we talking about? Well, you would think, you know, Someone who's afraid of an Avera, probably some big Avera, says Yushami, somebody who talks by davening. But I understand something. Somebody One second. And what, but not even at a time that it's absolutely prohibited. We're not talking about talking by Chazar Sashatz or by laning or by talking between Yishtabach and Yotzer Ar. We're technically for a Dvar Mitzvah. Let's say you need to get a minion, which don't do say you could make a phone call to get someone to come for a minion. But if it's not for a mitzvah, you're not allowed to talk, even that is a sin that warrants enough, leave. Can't, you can't fight for the Jewish army. So don't say, you're making sins and you're not even fighting. So what is a mitzvah to fight? No, but you need protection, you need zechuyot. So if, in a shas sakana, you need God's special protection, which you're nervous. We're talking about somebody who feels nervous that he has, uh, he's not qual he's not worthy to be protected. Why that, Bear? We're going to see. What? This rules doesn't apply now. Oh, they were so sad. Um, we're going to see. We're going to see. No, because, no, it doesn't apply. But uh, if, if everything went kahalacha, yeah, it would apply. We, wouldn't, we would only let Sadiqim fight the war. Right? When, when Mashiach comes and someone is going to have to kill Amalek, who do you think is going to kill Amalek? We're going to bring a big rifle to Rebel Yashiv, Rebel Vadi Yosef. 
We're going to be mechaber. Mechaber with mechias amolek. We give it to the two gedolei hadar. Rabbi Yashav, you should live and be well. He's going to come. He's going to take care of uh, take care of what needs to be taken care of. Let's look at Pasuk Gimel. Okay. The Amar Alehem, right? Remember we said the Kohen is giving a pep talk to the Jewish people. He says, Shema Yisrael, listen up. Atem kravim hayom la you're approaching war. don't be afraid. He says the word, Shema Yisrael, listen up. There are two words in this Pasuk that are a little bit out of place. What are they? Shema Yisrael. Says Rashi, take a look on your sheet. What is the Kohen telling the people by saying Shema Yisrael? Literally it means, you know, in Yiddish they say, Meir, Herzachayin, right? How do you say, listen up, right? Hello. Listen up, Herzachayin. Hello. You want to talk to somebody, you want to get his attention, right? So you're talking to somebody, you're talking to your kid, he's not even listening, you know, he's, uh, I don't know where he is. Listen! What do you mean listen? The, the words are going, going into his ear. Yeah, but he's not paying attention, so listen, oh. right? Oh. Shema Yisrael, hearken. The thing is, the Torah would not just use an expression. The Torah doesn't speak with just uh, idiomatic. Every word has meaning. So what is the Torah saying that the Kohen says, Shema Yisrael? Says Rashi, something amazing. Shema Yisrael. Afilu ein bachem zechus ela kriya shema bilvad. Even if your only merit is that you say kriya shema, that you say shema in the morning and the evening, kedai atem sheyoshia eschem, you are worthy to be saved. You hear what the coin tells the people? The people are there, they're, they're here you have a hundred Yidalach, big tzaddikim, they're about to fight war and they see these big goyim, you know, macho guys, you know, with tattoos and they're afraid. So what does the coin say? Shema Yisrael. Even you Jews, even if you're sinners and you don't keep the Torah and you don't follow the mitzvahs, but if at least all you say are two words, Shema Yisrael, you fulfill the mitzvah of Shema Yisrael, you will be saved. In other words, the Kohen is saying, don't worry. Don't think you have to be a big tzaddik for God to save you in battle. Shema Yisrael. He's not, he's not just saying, listen up. He's saying, even if your only merit is that you say Shema, you'll be saved. Does he have to say just Shema Yisrael or the whole... Or the whole simple meaning is the, the, the mitzvah. The simple meaning is the mitzvah of Shema. You say the three parashios, even if you don't do anything else. You say Shema in the morning, Shema in the evening. What's the value of this? Okay, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Now, by the way... The, what? Shema Yisrael. So let's... We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna see. Let's see what we could do over here. By the way, where does Rashi get this? From? Rashi gets this from the Gemara in Saita, Daf Membez. The Gemara in Saita says, Ma'ishno Shema Yisrael. Why does the Kohen use this expression, Shema Yisrael? So the Gemara says, Rabbi Yechelen says in the name of Hashem Ba'yechai, Hashem says, the Kohen should tell the people, even if your only zechus is Shema Yisrael, you will be saved. Now, you have to know something very important. Every time Rashi says something, or every time a Gemara says something, the Gemara doesn't just like, come up with like a nice uh, drush. There is something about this Pasuk that we could infer from the Pasuk that the Kohen was not just saying, listen up, Shema Yisrael, but he was saying, even if your only merit is Shema Yisrael, you will be saved. Where in this Pasuk is there an, is there an indication that the Kohen is telling them that even if your only merit is Shema Yisrael, you'll be saved? So there are different ways to see. In general, Rashi and the Gemara points out that the whole expression Shema Yisrael is a unique expression. It's not a typical expression. And the fact that the Torah uses this expression alerts you that... 
Well, he's not just saying, listen up. He's saying there's a mitzvah of Shema. In the schus of Shema, you'll be saved. Yeah, but how, how do the Quran say the, like, like, the promise that, that if you have one food, yeah. you go to war, don't worry about it. But people die in the war. People die. There's a Quran Gadol. Yeah, people die anyway. He was, like, he so we'll say, the way I understand it is, he doesn't say you will be saved, but what he says is, Hidayat, you want to go somewhere. So you bought a ticket, right? So the guy tells you, uh, you can't go, you can't go in. You say, I have my ticket. It's very nice you have a ticket, but the thing is there was a hurricane and uh, it's flooded inside, so you can't go. Now, are you worthy to go inside? Of course, you bought the ticket, you're worthy. The only thing is there's, a, there's another problem in the way. So in other words, what the coin is saying is, don't think, don't be afraid. You're a Russia or you're not worthy to be saved. You're worthy to be saved. Will you be saved? We're not promising anything. You're worthy to be saved. You've met the criteria. That's one explanation, but we'll, we'll add on. Hopefully, if we have enough time, we'll answer that. The Mizrahi, we've quoted the Mizrahi before, right? We've mentioned another times. The Mizrahi says, you know how you see from this Pasuk that the Kohen is saying that even if you're only married to Shema Yisrael, you'll be saved? Because the words Shema Yisrael are completely extra on this Pasuk. It says, what does it say? The Kohen approaches, he speaks to the people, it says, V'yomar Aleim, and he says to them, so just say what the coin says, just say, Atem Kravim Hayom you're approaching war. The entire expression, Shema Yisrael, is superfluous, it's extra, it's not needed, it doesn't add anything, and the fact that it's here alerts you to the fact that the coin is not just merely saying, listen up, he's telling them, even if your only merit is Shema Yisrael, you're worthy to be saved. Another, uh, another alarm in this Pasuk is the fact, if you know Hebrew, Vi'amar alehem. He says to them, plural, to them. Look later in the pasuk. Atem, you, plural. Kravim, plural. You're approaching. Aloyvechem, against your enemy. Every word in this pasuk is plural. Shema Yisrael is singular. It should say Shimu Yisrael. No, not this. Yeah. If you're saying. The Amar Alechem, it doesn't say, it says, the Amar Alechem. It says, the Amar Elav. Are they a, are they a unit or are they a bunch of individuals? Bunch of individuals. That's it? No, no. It says, the Amar Alechem, to them, not Elav. But only one Israel? Shema Israel, it's only one? No. Shimu Yisrael. But you still, you don't use a verb, a command verb of, Shema is command. When you're commanding a lot of people, you say Shemu. You could say Shema if you want to view them as one unit, but then the rest of the Pasuk so would... you don't say Shemu Israel in the morning, you say Shema Israel. That's the same concept. That's fine. You could, you could talk to the Jewish people as one unit, but since the rest of the Pasuk is not referring to them as one unit, the rest of the Pasuk is referring to them as many individuals, Alehem, Atem, Kravim, Aloyvechem, Levavchem, Al Tira'u, right? Not Al Tira. So the fact that only these two words are singular alerts you to the fact that this is not merely saying, listen up, but it's saying even if you're only merited Shema Yisrael, you will be saved. You will be saved. This is the same concept of uh, Parashat... Uh, Re'eh. Look in the Rechaim he explains that. That's a, that's a question. It should say Re'u. Rechaim HaKadosh asks, Re'eh is incorrect. And he gives a whole lengthy explanation. Yeah, but, but, 
think about it if you say, if, if, when you say Shema Israel, it's not Ploni Almoni. It's not referring to Ploni Almoni. Shema Ploni Almoni. It's, it's the collective one body. One unit. So Shema Israel, you, you, Israel, it's all of us. It's not only one individual of us. So, but it's out of place in the rest of the Pasuk. The rest of the Pasuk is not utilizing that idea. Yeah, but because he doesn't talk to a Ploni Almoni, he's talking in general. Right? So it should say Shema Yisrael, Ata Karev Hayom HaMochama. Why Atem? Karevim. Because they're not individuals to Israel. So it should say either Shemu Yisrael Atem or Shema Yisrael Ata. How could you go Shema M? Okay, no. So it's telling you that Shema Yisrael is not listen up. It's saying even if your only merit is that you say Shema Yisrael, you will be saved. Okay? Fine. Now, by the way, I'll just tell you something amazing. Throughout history, whenever Jewish people would go to war, they would always go with the cry of Shema Yisrael. In fact, the Tzvar Amar writes, the reason why the Yom Tif of Hanukkah is called Hanukkah, he says the real reason, is because how many letters are in the Pasuk of Shema Yisrael? 25. Chanu Chafei. They encamped with the 25 letters of Shema Yisrael. And that's why they defeated their enemies. They understood this Rashi. And they knew that the reason why, in order to win a war, you need to say Shema, and that's why the Yom Tif is called Chanukah, Chanukah So, so when uh, Rabbi Akiva promoted the revolution against the Roman Empire, did he know that? Again, it's not a guarantee, but it's saying don't be afraid. You're worthy, you're worthy to be saved. You're worthy. We'll see, we'll see okay? We'll see. Um, okay. By the way, this explains something we say in Davening. Rabbi Yitzhak Al-Khanah, inspector, says, what do we say in the Tachnon every, every morning? We say, Shoimer Yisrael, guardian of Israel. Shemar She'eris Yisrael, guard the remnant of Bnei Yisrael. V'al Yovad Yisrael, don't destroy the Bnei Yisrael. Why not? Ha'omrim, because they say, Shema Yisrael, they say Shema Yisrael. In other words, we're saying to God, even though we're not worthy and we don't do the mitzvahs, we don't keep the Torah, don't destroy the remnant, that's us. We're the remnant. We're the the small amount of Jews who have made it through history. Now, the Ruba, the Ruba, the majority of Jews haven't made it till now. We're the small stream that's... We ask God, please save us in the merit of saying Shema Yisrael. Pardon me, Rabbi, I have to say this one. I have to add this. Yeah. When they say the Shema Yisrael save you, even if you're going to die in the war, your Neshama is not going to... If you are not a Sadiq, it's not going to go to hell. It's going to go straight to Shema that's why we are, as a Jewish people, we believe whoever died in the war in Israel is going to go to, to the, uh, he's going to get the Olam Because even you said one time Shema Israel in your life and die for the country, for this. Okay, but we're specifically saying that the Kohen tells the soldiers during war. is not going to die. What the, what the Kohen is saying, he's not telling them about the world to come. When, when somebody's afraid, they're not, they don't want to, He's telling them, you're going to win the war. He's going to tell you you're going to win the war. Now, I'll tell you a very interesting story. One of the Talmidim of Rabbi Yitzhak Petterberg, his name is uh, Rabbi Yosef Farber, Rabbi Tzvi Hirsch Farber. He writes that he read in a, a, a newspaper in London, 1916, that um, a Hungarian soldier wrote the following letter to his wife. He says, my dear wife, I need, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to knock on our next-door neighbor's house. His name is Chaim. And ask him the following question. 
What does Shema Yisrael mean? And I, and I need to know this immediately. You know why? Because here I'm fi fighting in the Hungarian army, and every time the rockets are flying overhead and the cannons are flying overhead and people are, fly are falling like uh, sheaves of, uh, of wheat, all the Jewish soldiers say Shema Yisrael and nothing happens to them, and only the Goyim are dying. And there must be something magical about the word Shema Yisrael. So I want you to go, go over to Chaim's house. So he's not just picking on his, his name was Chaim. And, and ask him what Shema Yisrael means. Have him translate into Hung in Hungarian. This way I could say it and maybe I'll see you again. Maybe I'll come back from the war also. There's an article in the London Times, 1916, Yud Test Okay, if you look, uh, you could look it up, if you could retrieve the London Times, 1916. 1916. Okay. Question. Yes. Is there, is there any person who realizes he's going to die? Isn't there, is there anything to say Shema Yisrael? Yes. Right? One of the great Sephardic so, Goinim. What is that about? Rav Falaji. Oh. Hey, you know Rav Chaim Falaji? Not the Kafachana, Rav Yosef Chaim Seifer. There's another Kafachana. Rav Chaim Falaji. He says that the Minog is, whenever Jews are in, uh, in danger, they say Krishma. Also from, from Rashi, from Rashi. And in fact, the brother Marami Prague wrote a Sefer HaChayim. He writes... That the minog is whenever you're in danger, just to say the first two words, Shema Yisrael, even without saying, uh, uh, that's the custom. Yeah. There's so many stories that people say Shema Yisrael. Okay. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. Yeah. So Rabbi say what I would like to focus on very uh, briefly. Yeah. What? What happened to Hungarian soldiers? I don't know. <laughs> they couldn't find Chaim. Okay, Rabbi, I want to tell you something amazing. As we're embarking on the path of tshuva, Rabbi Yonah tells us, and this will help us understand what exactly is the power of Shema Yisrael. Why is why is the zechus of Shema Yisrael so powerful that the Kohen tells the people, even if you're only married to Shema Yisrael, you'll be saved. The Gemara says in Shabbos. That somebody who davens Friday night, and he says, right, We say it in Kiddush. That we declare God created the world in six days and He rested on the seventh day. Anyone who makes that declaration, the two heavenly angels that accompany you, right? You know, Yuri, when you walk down the street, you have two henchmen accompanying you. One, you have two malachim, two angels. Not Isaac and... Uh, you have two, two other henchmen. But... They accompany you. If you say Vayichu Hashemayim, they put their hand on your head and they say all your sins are forgiven. Every Friday? Every Friday night. That's what Gemara says. Shabbos Kofiotes. The two angels that accompany you, they put their hand on your head and they say you're forgiven. All your sins are forgiven. Yeah. Okay. When you say it after davening, according to the Mishnah Bura, you're supposed to say it with another person because you're giving testimony that God created the world. What about my wife? Is she forgiven too? Oh, so asks Rabbi Vigdor Miller, Zecher Tzadik Levracha. One second. And it says Rabbi Miller, one second. Here on Yom Kippur, we have to fast 24 hours to get our sins forgiven, and you're telling me every Friday night, thank you, every Friday night, you, uh, you have all your sins forgiven? What, what's the big zechus? What's the big merit of saying Apparently, the declaration that there is a creator in the world, okay, the declaration, even though you know there's a creator, 
But you don't think about it. You're, you're doing your, your business the whole day. You don't think about the fact that somebody created you, somebody with infinite, incredible wisdom created you. The declaration that there is a creator is such a powerful merit, it achieves the same kapara as Yom Kippur. Now, Rav Miller writes, by the way, um, we have more English sources on this sheet than at any other time we ever gave this year. We have about five or six English sources. If you can number 15, this is from the Sefer, Seeing You Righteous. Oh, yeah. Recommended reading to everyone. One of the greatest books ever written in the English language. It's now translated into Hebrew. It was originally written in English. Rev Miller writes, But one second, even Yom Kippur, there is no kapara unless you do tshuva. If you just sit and show the whole day fasting, thinking about the Yankees, it's not going to atone for your sins. You have to actually feel bad about your averos and, and commit yourself to rectify them. Nevertheless, Yom Kippur atones with tshuva. Tshuva and Yom Kippur remove your sins. So therefore when we say, when the Gemara says, if you say Vayichulu, it atones for your sins, it means before you say Vayichulu, you should do tshuva. You should think, I feel bad about all my averos and I commit myself to try to improve them. But... The same way Yom Kippur, in combination with tshuva, is able to remove sin, saying Vayichulu with thoughts of tshuva removes all your sin. Why? Declaring that there is a creator in the world is such a powerful merit. Recognizing the fact that this world is not an accident. This world has plan and purpose, intelligent design. Nothing in this world is haphazard. Everything is created with tremendous wisdom and foresight and planning. That's such a powerful Design that's such a powerful merit and zechus and mitzvah, it will remove all your sins. Now we get a little glimpse why Shema Yisrael is such a powerful merit. Why the coin says, even you could be a big avayon, you could be a big sinner. At least if you have the merit of recognizing that there is a creator in the world, that is a powerful enough zechus to be saved. And what I would like to do just for a few minutes, we're going to bring some evidence that there is a creator in this world. Okay, so if you go home tonight... And somebody asks you, what did you learn? You say, you learned that there's a God in the world. You know, the Kutzke Rebbe once came into the shul. The Kutzke Rebbe was a brilliant man. He was uh, known to be very sharp. So he comes into shul. He gives a big clap on the bima. He says, I want to tell you something. So everybody thought he was going to say some, who knows, some deep concept. He said, I want everyone to know there's a God. It's a, well, it's a big chiddush, right? It's a big, sometimes you don't think about it. You think uh, you don't recognize it. But, okay, first of all, we're going to start with, uh, anybody ever eat watermelons? Yeah. Yeah? So you ever try to pick up a watermelon seed? Pulls up. It's very slippery. Why is it yeah. slippery? Not because it's wet. Because you could dry it, it will still be slippery. Watermelon seeds have mucus around them. If you try to hold it, it will it flip. It right out? Like a piece. Yeah. No? It's like holding on to, uh, I don't have it, because I, I demonstrated this you morning and I lost it. I lost my watermelon seeds, but I have other uh, specimens over here. Watermelon, you pick up a watermelon seed, it flips out, flies out. That's why in the South, nowadays, uh, just get to be politically correct, we don't say the word N-E-G-R-O anymore, right? We don't say Negro is not politically correct, but... Uh, 50 years ago, it was still permitted to say, and this has come from a book that was written 50 years ago, so without it be, to being insulting to anyone, when the Negroes were uh, resting after a day of working on the plantation, what did they used to eat? Watermelon! And if you looked in the front yards of all the plantations, you saw watermelons growing. That's Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? Because they would eat the watermelons, and the seeds would go flying out. 
and all these rich owners would come and they would find watermelons uh, growing in their front yard. Now, who told the seed? Why, why is the seed trying to slip away? Because in order for the watermelon to have continuity, if, if, the, if the eater of the watermelon would consume the seed, that would be the end of the species of watermelon. So therefore, the watermelon knows if it wants to continue, it has to create a way to avoid being eaten. Right? So that means whoever designed the watermelon understood that we have to create something to make sure that the watermelon seed is not eaten. Otherwise, that would be the end of the watermelon. So whoever programmed this fruit, this vegetable, right, this melon, this gourd, officially, right, a watermelon is a gourd, gourd. programmed it in a way for its continuity. One second, one second. Without seeds, I know. That's why I went to Wasserman's late last night and I asked them for a watermelon with black seeds. They didn't have any. But, Okay, now let's look at uh, orange seed, right? You see this orange seed? It's not slippery. What? It's not slippery. Which one is it? Orange. Oh, But whoever programmed this orange, programmed in a way that if you bite into it, it's extremely bitter. Nobody would want to eat it. Yeah. So here, here you have the whole fruit. Delicious. People even eat the peel. Right? People make chocolate. Everything is edible except when you get to the part that's needed for the continuity of the fruit. That means whoever programmed this fruit programmed it in a way that to avoid the, the seed being consumed by the eater. Okay. Anybody know what this is? That's, that's a peach, no? Uh, yeah. Peach. Peach. The seed is not bitter. It's not slippery. What would happen if you bit into a peach seed? You would die. Break your tooth. <laughs> break, 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 break your tooth. You'd be lucky if you just broke your tooth. Break if you mouth. broke into it with all your might, you'd break your jaw. It's stronger than the human jaw. Really? Yeah. Try it. Try it. Wow. I don't. I once did an experiment with a hammer. I tried to I, After many bangs, I got it open. But it, it will break your jaw. Now, once inside is the seed. This is not the seed. This yeah, is just the yeah, case. It needs to be open in order to... Oh. So here you have whoever programmed the peach. Now look at the peach tree. Is there anything in the tree as hard as th this? The bark? No. The leaf? No. The fruit? No. That means in the entire tree, the roots? No. Nothing in the tree is as hard as the case to protect the seed. Accident or intelligent design? Now I have, the only problem is Good. that if it's so hard and you can't break into it, how in the world does the seed get out? Very simple. You put it in the ground. After two days, there's a glue in between the two, two parts of the seed. It opens up by itself. Wow. What a hammer can't do and what the human jaw can't do, even an alligator cannot get into this. You put it in the earth, the glue dissolves. Rabbi, would you try this? I'll let you... put it in the ground for two days and you figure it out with half... With half? I, uh, Chaim, Chaim is in charge of all, uh... Well, they lost Chaim, they can't find No, not this not time. Not Chaim, uh, okay. Okay. Yes! The issue of Yeah. There are additional ramifications when things like this year you have, you know, flowing on Erev Shabbos. Okay, you st I think you, you do, you continue to say Vayichulah. No, what I'm saying. saying, it gives you extra merits? Sure. Yeah, Shabbos, Sanyam Kippur, yes, yes. Mazer, section 32. Oh, Zohar, we're not up today. One second. Oh. One, second. one more, one more example. If, uh, actually, two more examples. Okay. First of all, an eggshell. 
an eggshell. How many possible thicknesses of eggshells are there? By the way, if you want to read about everything I'm saying, you can read about it, it's on the sheets. And how many possible thicknesses of eggshells are there? Millions possible degrees of thickness. Now, no species produces an eggshell too thick. Now, when the, when the, the egg, when it's coming out of the uh, chicken, or whatever animal it's coming out of, has to endure tremendous stress during childbirth, during the, the birth of the egg, right? That means it can't be too thin that it would not be able to endure that stress and, and it would crack and the baby would die during childbirth. But it can't be too thick that when it comes out, the baby can't get out. So how many possible thickness, uh, levels of thickness are there? Millions. How many of these millions levels of thickness are possible that would allow for a chicken to survive? that thin enough to let the chicken get out and thick enough that it wouldn't break open during labor. One. Only one. One out of millions. And by the way, every species of egg is a different thickness, exactly perfect for that species. Now, Rabbi, even if one... How come humans aren't born in a shell? In a, in a chicken, an egg? In an egg shell. Some are. No, I'm just joking. Where? <laughs> I'm just joking. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Where? Every species produces the exact perfect amount of thickness. Even if one species would have produced the, exact, the correct thickness, it would have been a miracle of miracles. But that the fact that every single species produces the exact perfect thickness for that species is a tremendous miracle. And if you want to read other things, there are many, many other things to read. Now I'm just going to end off with this, and we're going to bring it back to the beginning. If you remember, we started this year with the following thought. We said the coin tells the, the soldiers, even if your only merit is Shema Yisrael, you will be saved from war. I have a question for you. Because the coin says that the following people are exempt from battle. Someone who just got married, someone who just built a house, someone who has a new orchard, and someone who is afraid of the sin they may have committed. Remember that? Remember the coin says, and, and anyone who is afraid that they may have sinned, you also are exempt from war. By the way, and what sin did we say we're talking about? The sin of talking between Yishtabach and Yotzer. Or that's, by the way, that's the girsa of the Yushami. The Bavli has a different girsa, someone who speaks between putting on the hand tefillin and the head tefillin. So, so, I have a, so there's a major contradiction over here. Because he's speaking during Shema, during Berchus Kriya. On the one hand, we're telling. Why did not say Why do we? Yeah. Say, what do you say? You only say one? Only one. Yeah. talking in the middle. And, and if you had said to say something... Oh, you, you still can't talk, right? Even Sardim are not allowed to talk. Not allowed yeah. to talk. No, not allowed to talk. Right. Why do we say a bracha at the end? You say a second bracha, but... Um... The simple reason why we make a bracha is that since it's the end of a mitzvah, we're fulfilling the opinion that you make a bracha on the end of a mitzvah. It's not so simple why we say the bracha. That's why even Ashkenazim, when we say the bracha on the Shalrosh, what do we say after? Baruch Shem Klod Machas Olam which you say after you make a bracha levatala. So even though we're, we're pretty sure we're not making a bracha levatala, but just to cover our bases, we're not 100% sure we say Baruch Shem Klod Machas Olam Okay? So I have a question for you. On the one hand, the Kohen, it's like the Kohen is speaking out of two sides of his mouth. On the one hand, he says, even if you're unworthy and you're sin, and you don't keep the Torah, if all you do is say Shema, you'll be saved. <laughs> and, on the, and the next moment says, yeah, but if anybody here did a small Avera, like speaking by davening between Yotzar, between Yishtabach and Yotzar, go home. But what do you mean? I thought he just said 
that even if you're unworthy and all you have is the merit of Shema, you'll be saved. So this is a big question. This is the question of the Taz on Rashi. And the Taz gives the following answer. If the, if everyone, if the soldiers in general say Shema, they'll win the war. But it doesn't mean there won't be any casualties. Individuals may not survive. If the, well, if the battalion, if the soldiers say Shema, the Jews will win. But there might be individual casualties. Maybe somebody who did Navero won't make it through. So therefore, it's both things are true. If the Jews say Shema, they'll win the war. But individuals who may have sinned, they have to go home. Says the Mishnah Bura, and of Shimon Schwab, a little bit of a different idea. Okay, you hear the question? The question basically is, if in order to be spared from war, all you need is the merit of Shema, then how could we talk out on the other side of our mouth and say, but if you may have talked by davening, then go home. What do you mean I said Shema? Okay, we're going to give four answers to this question. Answer number one, Rav Shimon Schwab. Rav Shimon Schwab says, like this, if all you have is the merit of Shema, you will be saved. Yeah, but if you spoke in between Yishtabach and Yitzhar Ar, you ruined, you destroyed the Shema. You destroyed Shema. You're right, if you have the merit of Shema, you'll be saved. But why do we say Psuki de Zimra? It's a lead up to Shema. Why do we say the Berchus Krishna? It's a, it's a lead up to Shema. It enhances the Shema, it magnifies the Shema. If you spoke, you destroyed Shema. You don't have the merit of Shema anymore. So the Kohen could say with, with, with uh, conviction, anyone who says Shema will be saved. But you, my friend, you don't have the merit of Shema. Because by speaking out, you've, you've destroyed it. Corrupted. Mishnah says something even more. Listen to what the Mishnah says. Mishnah says, what kind of person are we talking about? They're not talking about Chazar Sashatz, that's even worse. They're not talking about Laning, that's even worse. They're talking between Yishtabach and Yotzerar. Between Psuke de Zimra and Berchus Krishma. What do the following two words mean? Psuke de Zimra. Literally means verses of praise, right? Psuke de Zimra, Amar, Asher, Yishtabach. Verses of praise. That's what it means literally. But uh, the Sefer Eliyar Rabbah brings down from the Mate Moshe a Kabbalistic thought. Psuke versus the Zimra. Do you know what Zimra means? How do you say to prune a tree? Zomer. To cut. Versus that cut. What does that mean? Whenever a person prays, so you're sending up, like we're gonna, we said today, let our tefillah go up and come and reach, right? We're sending up long-range missile. As our tefillah is approaching God, the forces of impurity try to attack the tefillahs, try to impede, try to get in the way. Psuke de Zimra, verses that cut them down. We cut down all impediments. That's the purpose of Psuke de Zimra. We cut down all impediments. So in other words, Psuke de Zimra are our soldiers. They're going to war for us to battle for our tefillah. Therefore, says the Mishnah Bura, someone who talks, he has to go back for more. You know what it means he has to go back for more? His soldiers who are fighting for his tefillos, they come off the battlefront. They're not able to fight for him anymore. They have to go back home. He doesn't have any hope against the forces of impediment. So therefore, what the Mishnah Bura basically says... I don't know. But what the Mishnah Bura says is, what the coin says is correct. If all you have is the merit of Shema, you're saved. But talking out destroys the merit of Shema. Is it a Kabbalistic concept? 
That, that's what... Uh, so why you don't say to get it in the night time or week? What? Why you don't say no week? Don't go to... Well, the the brachos before the brachos before also serve as uh, as uh, yeah as praise of Hashem. Sheva bayom hilal ticha. These are brachos Krishna. We're praising Hashem. No, but I'm saying you 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 are associated with the Shema that the Shema will go stronger. Yeah. So this that's in the Mishmur. So what about the night time? Yeah, night time is no is the most important. No, that you're supposed to say by every walker. So the night is the first one. I hear. I'm not sure. I don't know. So what are we talking during the morning and during the night? Mate Moshe. Mate Moshe. Mate Moshe. Well, let's just add one more thing. One more thing. And that is, what is the merit of Kriya Shema? The merit of Shema is you are declaring that there's a creator. There's some creator. There's a God in the world. Nobody, nobody could interfere with what he desires. So Zohar writes, so the merit of Shema is Emunah. Zohar says, somebody who speaks out by davening, he shows he doesn't believe God is here. doesn't have emunah. So, what? That's what he says. Look in 32. Someone who speaks out in the Beis HaKnesses, words, profane words. Violate the Achsei Peruda. Woe to him that he has shown separation he has taken away his amuna. Because what is he saying? He comes into a building where the purpose of it is to pray. To who? To a God. And he comes to socialize. So what is he saying? No God. Okay. So basically what we're learning is, let's just go back, focus on the positives here. <laughs> and that is, the Gemara tells us in the Sechta Shabbos that in the merit of declaring Vayichu HaShemayim V'Yaretz, in that merit... The angels will put their hands on your face and forgive your sins. The declaration, the realization that there is a creator in the world is a very powerful merit. And that's what we are doing when we say Shema. So when you say Shema, you think there is a creator of the world. He created this world. He created the sun. He created the moon. He created me. He's all powerful. That is a tremendous chus. It is a chus strong enough that the Kohen will say to the Jewish soldiers, even if that's your only merit, you are worthy to be saved. I heard Rav Yaakov Weinberg said, Yaakov Weinberg was, was a former Rosh Hashiva of Nair Yisrael, he said, you don't know what kind of merit it is if you could get another Jew to say Shema. You never know, you, if you convince many Jews to say Shema and that's their only merit, that could be the turning force, the turning, the turning point in a war where now the Jewish people will win a war. Even if that's our only merit, so we should take advantage of it. And in that zechus, this way, this will prepare us on our voyage of tshuva, because as we said, the realization that there is a creator, Rabbeinu Yonah tells us, is the primary motive to do tshuva. Hatzlach Welcome back, everyone.